0: Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you, Elder Jerry and, and Rebecca uh, for the time of worship. Um, I'm really glad to, to be with you guys uh, this morning. It literally is, is, is the morning here uh, in Taiwan. So um, yeah, I'm here because um, I have to come and renew my, my working visa for, uh, for the States. Um, so that's a bit of context. Uh, I'm not just in the Bay area you know, so so um yeah, just a bit of context. Um well it's always a privilege and enjoy to to be able to share the word of God to to Home of Christ Fall. Um since since the early days uh with, when Minister Phil was there, uh Home of Christ Fall has always been a, um, a has always had a special place in my heart. Um and and I know you guys are in good hands with with your elders with your lay leaders and then Asalia there and everyone helping out to, to, to make Hockford a, a better place. So now I'm not sure if uh, any of you have been following the news about uh, CDC guidelines, but there's been a lot of like mask mandates and, and, and different businesses allowed to open and houses of worship with less restrictions. Um, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the church because it's an opportunity for us to regather back as God's people. And, um, as, as I said at the very start of, of this whole pandemic, is that our God that we worship is not sheltering in place. And so throughout this whole pandemic, we've witnessed God work in miraculous ways in our hearts, among us, in, in, in different nations. A Bible reading has gone up, a fellowship attendance has gone up, uh, even though we may be slightly discouraged because we're unable to attend that graduation or a birthday or an important event or, or go traveling. Uh, we're actually witnessing in this time, and in this era, uh, a mighty move of God in these unprecedented times. And, and so I want to encourage you as a church going forward, that God is working. Uh, even though we may find it hard to see, even though uh, we, we look at God and we see, oh, he's so slow in fulfilling his promises, but we, we, we must believe and have faith that our God that we worship is a faithful God and he's faithful to his own promise. And no matter um, what we go through in our own emotions, in our own thoughts, um, he knows and he understands, and, and, and he will um, He'll bring everything to fruition. So we can lay up all our anxieties, our worries, uh, and, and all that's going to happen in, in the coming months to years as we gather as the church. Uh, whatever happens, everything is in the hands of God. And so today I want to share a message because I know you, uh, you guys are also planning to regather as a church, I want to share a message uh, titled, Coming Back Stronger, Coming Back Stronger. So let let, let me pray before I begin. Father God, we thank you for uh, this opportunity that we're able to uh, gather as your people via Zoom. Lord, we anticipate and wait for that day where we are able to regather physically at church to encourage one another, to worship you, to hear the voices of one another and, and to listen to your word preached. Lord, I just pray that as we prepare for this regathering, Lord, prepare our hearts to come and meet you and to be in your presence. But Lord, most importantly, help us to long for the day where we're able to see you face to face and prepare us in our spiritual lives, um, uh, purify us in our, in our thoughts, in our actions, so that we may draw closer to you as you draw closer to us. So Lord, I just pray for the following time that your word uh, may be uh, lifted up and, and the name of Christ may be exalted. So I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I remember when I was in middle school, um, I was actually quite a scrawny little guy, right? If, if memory serves me correct, I, I weighed in around 80 pounds. Now, now this weight um, was, was not the norm in my family. My dad, my uncles, all my cousins were different. Most of them weighed in around two hundred and twenty pounds. All right? they were pretty big guys, and they were built. They were built like, um, like wrestlers and like rugby players. And and I remember a lot of them actually played rugby, whether that be in the Taiwan nation, uh, Taiwan um, university team or or in Australia they played Australian football. And and I was like the skinniest. out of all my family members and I remember from a young age um, always doing push-ups all right trying to eat more put on weight and and when just when I thought I made a little bit of progress I, I mustered up the courage to tell my parents and my wider family at a family dinner event and I said to them I wanted to play rugby I want to play rugby and now when I told them that they all just laughed at me and I thought oh Ben you're too skinny you're too small you can't play rugby and I remember that, that evening feeling so upset, depleted. And and I went into my room afterwards and and I was like, so upset. I I think I was crying. And, and, um, and after a few days, my my dad, my dad came into my room and he says to me, um, well, Ben, we've, we've actually signed you up to to play rugby. You can actually try it out this weekend to, to go to a local rugby club. Now, um, when my dad said this, I, I didn't believe him at first. I thought it was a joke. But he actually did sign me up to, to a local rugby club because he said, you know, he played rugby back in you know, u- university. So he says, you know, you can give it a go, even though you, you know, you're, you're not that big, but you can give it a go. Um, so I remember the first day when I went into the locker room, uh, the first night of training, um, I, I walked in and, and this room, I kid you not, was full of Pacific Islanders. So if you guys have ever uh, met Pacific Islanders, They're they're twice the height, twice the weight, and they're strong and they all work out. And you've got this like skinny Asian guy who's weighing at 80 pounds coming into the locker room, right? They're probably thinking this guy's lost. He's probably looking for badminton club or table tennis. Um, You know, who's this Chinese guy, right? So you can imagine the first day of training, you know, I was knocked around, bruised and battered. Um, I was so depleted at the end of the training session that I thought to myself, what am I doing here? Uh, why am I doing this to myself? I'm never going to get a game on the field. I'm never able to, to, to take a tackle, let alone tackle someone else. I want to be a laughing stock on the field. But I remember very vividly, um, after the first training session, one of the other players came up to me and said to me, Hey Ben, we'll see you next week. Don't worry. It's your first day. You'll be fine. Just keep eating and training. And you'll come back stronger. You know, as I went home that day, not only was I so encouraged that, hey, I'm not going to give up, but I'm going to keep working hard that one day I'll be able to make weight to get a game. You know, I learned a lot of different lessons about myself that week. And and one big lesson that I learned was humility. It was very hard to, to, uh, uh, lesson to learn, you know, when, when you're young in high school, you think, you know, you, you know, everything, you think you're the best at everything, but God has his way of teaching humility. And and for me, it was being knocked around by a few big Pacific Islanders, double my size. It was not a fun way to learn it. But but honestly, I think I needed the lesson uh, in that that period of my life. And looking back, that first training session actually exposed a lot of pride and exposed how actually fragile and weak I actually am. And, and I couldn't help but walk away from this whole experience learning this massive lesson of humility. Now, looking back at this event and, and thinking about what's been happening in, in, in our nation, around the world, um, what I want to say is this. Could it be that in the last year and a half, God during this time, is teaching all of us a lesson on humility. From the pandemic, political tensions, hate in society, and with all the the horrors that are going on, whether that's natural disasters, people still continuing to die because of COVID-19, could it be that God is trying to wake, wake us up but bring a revival among this generation so that we stop leaning on our own understanding, but rather we start leaning on on who he is. And could it be that God is teaching us lessons that we we may have never learned if we just went about our normal routines before the pandemic, about our own faith, about our own church? Could it be that God ultimately wants us to come out of this whole experience stronger, stronger in our relationship with him, stronger with, with our relationship with our brothers and sisters at church, You see, I believe God uses trials and experiences in life to bring us to a better place, not simply so that, you know, we can continue to live a nice and good life in America, but in the sense that we can come back stronger for him and his kingdom work. So I want to take the opportunity to to talk about uh, how we can come back stronger as God's people. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, the virus that may or may not have started in, in a local market, which is currently being debated, has exposed how weak we actually are as humans. Not only has it exposed the weakness and the fragility of of the human body, but it's also exposed our world system as fragile, right? Whether that be our health systems, government structures, facilities to accommodate the sick and, and, and those who are dying. Every country has been exposed in some way or form. You know, what's funny is a year ago, Taiwan was the model country, right? Everyone was saying, oh, Taiwan was was the best country because there was no COVID cases. Every other country was suffering. Every other country was, many people were dying. And and Taiwan was, was, was the one that everyone looked to. Let's learn from Taiwan, right? But look, but look what's happened, right? I'm in lockdown. The whole country has gone into stage three lockdown. Now think about it for a second. How can one small virus from one part of the world go widespread and kill nearly 3.5 million people as of today? This isn't only killing and affecting people who, who live in poverty and don't have access to good healthcare. We're talking about first world countries with top grade hospitals, with the highest safety measures in place, the brightest and the best scientists and doctors. This small virus, has turned everything upside down. You know, Andrew Sullivan is an editorial writer for the New York Magazine. He recently wrote a column, and in his column he wrote, of all the lessons that plagues teach us, surely the most valuable one is humility. Of all the lessons that plagues teach us, surely the most valuable one is humility. You see, all the advanced countries, we boast about our achievements and our advancements in technology and science. But have you noticed when COVID-19 hit, everything was brought to a halt by this tiny virus? For all the knowledge and wealth we have accumulated as a Western society, the reality is many countries, streets continue to be empty, Businesses have stopped, and our lives have significantly been impacted. All that we have built up and hoped have simply crashed in a matter of days. When the pandemic started, it took more than a year to have a vaccine, and even then, some of the vaccines had issues with it. And all the time, as we were waiting for the vaccine, we only had things like hand soap and social distancing. And that's it. We we were were helpless, right that though there was some progress made in flattening the, the curve, the reality is it actually brought us back to the era of the Great Depression. And when the pandemic hit, Americans seeking unemployment benefits continued to surge at unprecedented levels, bring the number of applications to nearly 17 million since the coronavirus pandemic shut down. Now, if the virus has taught us anything at all, as a nation, as individuals, I believe it's this. It's that all of humanity and creation is at the mercy of God, that we are not as strong as we think we are, but we are actually quite fragile and weak. Now, what do I mean by weakness? Before we go any further, I'm not referring to things that we are not good at. For example, a tennis player may say his his weakness is his forehand, Or or a basketball player say, you know, his weakness is shooting three-pointers, or Summa saying their weakness is backstroke. When we think of the idea of weakness in our culture, we immediately jump to these things. But I want to talk about what the Bible says about weakness. You see, whenever the Bible talks about weakness, it's generally connected back to the general idea of deficiency. It paints the picture of lack and reveals to us that, hey, we're actually not in full control of our lives, nor are we invincible right? Weakness simply demonstrates what has been true all along from the beginning of creation, that we are completely dependent on God for life and breath and everything else. But the widespread delusion, the narrative in our culture that we have been taught since a young age is not to think about weakness, but rather, we can do anything if we put our minds to it. We're stronger than we think strong enough to accomplish anything that the world chucks at us. Now, I'm not saying that we can't accomplish things in life. We can. If we work hard, we're able to achieve the results or we, we want for certain work projects or school assignments. But the reality is this, the vast majority of us are weaker than we realize. And yet we love to think ourselves as strong. And so this false notion of strength within us, or even as a church, Not only brings out arrogance, pride, but it actually ultimately offends God, our creator and our sustainer. And so God's word has a totally different narrative. In fact, scripture tells us what it actually means to be weak. And not only that, but scripture tells us to embrace our weaknesses. Not to deny or run away, but to boast in our weakness. Right, that scripture has is totally countercultural. Not only are we meant to identify our weaknesses, but we're meant to embrace our weaknesses and boast in our weaknesses. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Paul's letter to, to Corinthians, uh, Paul's letter to Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve verses seven to ten. I'm going to read it again in the NIV version. All right, so Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. And I want you to to pay close attention to to the reading of God's word. So this is the apostle Paul. He's writing a a letter to to the church that he planted. And he says, because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. I am strong. You see, here's the context: Paul's writing to the church that he has planted, and so whilst he's been away, false teachers have come in to teach the believers another message, which was contrary to the one Paul preached. And 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 for the false teachers, in in order for them to convince these young believers in this new church plant, they needed to try and bring down the authority of Paul, right? So for example, if today now I'm in Taiwan, if someone was if false teachers came into Home of Christ, Menlo Park, the first thing that they would have to do is try to bring down the credibility or the authority of their pastor, which is me. Uh, and, and so the, then the sheep will listen. And so that's what happened in Paul's context. False teachers were coming and they're like, if we're going to destroy this church from within, we first must need to take down the authority of Paul the apostle. So that's why in chapter 11 and 12, if you've, if you've read Second Corinthians before, Paul gives a resume of all that he has experienced as an apostle. So he goes into this big list of accomplishments, right? I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I, I, I'm a Jew. I I um I, I've seen visions. I've you know um I've I've had a big list of accomplishments. And and so he gives his resume in order to defend himself so that the people who read this letter don't get swept away and be like, oh well, Paul is. Paul has some authority. And so we hit chapter 12. He starts to say this. And this is, this is the key to today's message. He says, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast not about my resume or what I've experienced. I'm going to boast about my weakness. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. And so he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, we don't know exactly what that thorn was. Scholars and Bible commentators like to talk about what that thorn was. It could have been a physical thorn. Maybe it was bad eyesight. Maybe it was an emotional thorn, emotional trauma that Paul went through. But what I want to say is this. The point is not the thorn. The point is the purpose of that thorn. You see, the point is not the thorn. The point is the purpose of that thorn. You see, God in his rich mercy and love, he could have taken the thorn away from Paul. But I think it remained in the Apostle Paul to reveal to him that it is in our weaknesses that we can experience more of God. You see, weaknesses was placed in his life to help Apostle Paul constantly rely on God for all things. You see, when we feel strong, When we feel well accomplished, we're not prone to rely on the grace and mercy of God. And what happens as a result is that we get into this delusion that we are strong and that we don't need God. But God, in his mercy, uses weaknesses so that we can fully experience reality and to help us remember our desperate and continual need for him. You see, the intensity of our thorns uncovers the depths of his grace and mercy. And it's actually through weaknesses such as a crisis as the pandemic that we as individuals and as a church that we're able to fully experience God's grace and power through Christ. In fact, I believe God chooses us to be weak in order to protect us from ourselves. To to, to cause us to to value the strength that only he can give. You see, one, one scholar points this out. He says that the weaknesses that characterize Paul's life as an apostle represents the effective working of the power of Christ in his ministry. In other words, what outwardly makes Paul seem so weak, paradoxically allows the power of Christ to work through him all the more. You know, for me personally, in this season, when COVID-19 situation unfolded before us in March 2020, um, God was teaching me a lesson of actually how weak I am as a church leader, as a pastor, as, as a whole English ministry. I believe God was teaching us lesson after lesson after lesson. And if I have to be honest with you all, it's very humbling to admit that. But as this crisis unfolded, it exposed two things within myself, the idol of self and my lack of trust in God. You see, before this crisis happened, I thought I could plan out a lot of things in the English ministry. Everything was exciting. We had just built a good relationship with social justice ministries. Our service numbers were, were the highest it has ever been. At one time, we had 30 to 40 people serving at the homeless, We had preaching series all laid out for the year. Fellowships were going well. The quality of our fellowships were improving. People were growing more intimate. Numbers were were, were rising. But all the while these things were happening, the idol of self was in the background. I did this. I did that. I achieved this. I initiated this. Started to worship the idol of self. No longer did I trust God in ministry. In my own life, in church ministry, I I started to rely on this is my abilities, my own wits, my own gifts, and that was enough. But what was interesting and how God humbled me and exposed me was when the crisis hit in March 2020, immediately everything had to be turned online, right? Remember in March 2020, the church leaders came for a meeting. Everything needed to be turned online. We've never done YouTube recording before. We've never done live streaming. Our audio recording setup was not that great. All the fellowships and all the meetings had to go online. I was so overwhelmed that week by all the work that needed to be done. I think God gave me a very powerful reminder that week that, hey, Ben, I control everything and you just need to trust in me. You need to take a step back and repent and humble yourself. And that's what God was doing, reminding me that you can't do anything if it's not for my grace and mercy upon your life. I remember sitting there one night thinking to myself, God, what am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be leading the English congregation forward during this time? What sermons should I be preaching to, to encourage the church? All these things needed to be done. They were piling up. In the English ministry, we actually used to have three pastors, dropped to one pastor. So so all the responsibilities fell on me. And, and at that breaking point, it was, God, I, I just need to come before you and I need to call out for help. And it was then when I started to confess and realize my weaknesses, that was when God's power started to work in me. That's when God started to, to teach me that he is the one in control. He started to orchestrate everything behind the scenes, giving me the wisdom, the resources, people, energy needed to turn our church online. And within a matter of days, through, through the hard work and efforts of people uh, we're able to build a strong platform that has been able to provide a, a worship service for all our members far and wide and in, 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 even in different countries. And so God started to work when I started to realize and my, and confess my need for him. And, 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 and friends, that's what I want to encourage you as home of Christ in Saratoga. If you have learned anything with this crisis, it's that, Hey, we're not as strong as we think, but we are actually weak. And we need the power of Christ demonstrated in our lives. And only when we come to this spiritual understanding, then we can echo with the the Apostle Paul and say, when I am weak, then I am strong. When we are weak in ourselves, then we are strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus. You see, there's a few practical points that I want you guys uh, to walk away with today. And just quickly, The first one is this. I want you to walk away with identifying your weaknesses. Identify your weaknesses as an individual, as a church. You see, denial is dangerous. Just because you ignore it doesn't mean it'll go away. We have to identify and expose our weaknesses for what it is. Now, what does this mean? It means that, hey, we need to accept that this is God's design right, for my life and our church because there will be things that we simply cannot do. We just have to admit that sometimes that, Hey, there are things that we simply cannot do no matter how smart we are. Even though we're brought up in the Bay area, we just have to come and identify our weaknesses and admit that, Hey, there's some things that I actually cannot do. And, and I had to come to that realization that, Hey, there's many areas that I like in, in my own life in ministry and, and, and I used to, because I, I grew up in a, in a household of pastors with my uncles being pastors, my, my grandpa to my dad. Um, so I always thought, well, you know I, I know, I know what ministry is like. But I actually had to come to the realization that, hey, I don't know what ministry is like. I had to come to the realization that, hey, I'm actually not that good at, at doing this or doing that. And I had to come to the realization that, hey, I have to be okay with that. And not saying that I'm not going to try and improve in the areas that I lack. But what I want to say is that I want to stop complaining about the areas that I'm not good at. And ask God to slowly magnify his power in those areas so that I may learn what it means to truly rely on him. And from that position, it enables me to proclaim God as all-sufficient and me as dependent on him. Another way to identify our weaknesses is the community. That's why fellowship groups are so important. That's why all of you need to be plugged into a fellowship. Because when you're plugged into a fellowship group, you're able to identify one another's weaknesses and be okay with pointing those things out. Because we're doing that out of love and concern for our spiritual life. And and starting from the very top of a church leadership team, I believe all churches, especially Chinese churches, need to foster a culture of vulnerability. Right? I think... Chinese churches, and I'm speaking this as a, as a person who, who grew up in a Chinese church, who, who's ministering in the English ministry at a Chinese church, and as much as I love the Chinese church, that's why I stayed in the Chinese church, is that the Chinese church, we need to foster a culture of vulnerability. I think in our culture, we, we value mian too much, right? Face. out Right? Don't, don't throw Like there's not, it's not, don't throw away your face, but like, don't lose, don't lose your pride, right? Like, right. And so what happens is that we have this very fake community. We come to church all these years. We, we, we bow to one another, or maybe not bow, but maybe we bow to the older generation and we say hi, we say bye, but we don't really know each other. We don't really know each other's shortcomings our weaknesses you know, I was really encouraged um, one day when a young adult, he came up to me and he says, Ben, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of hiding behind this. And I want to tell you all the things that I'm struggling with. And, and as he shared this, he started to cry and he started to hug me. And it was like crying for like half an hour. And, and he, he just felt this release saying that this is what community is about where well, we can just share with each other our brokenness, our, 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 our struggles with lust, with with faith, with pride, with money, expectations that are given to us. You see, the Bible gives us clear commands that as a faith community, we need to bear with one another's burdens, confess to one another, spur one another, encourage one another. See, I hope Hock 4 can be that church where, where we where you can walk around and everyone's like an open book, where you know each other's weaknesses. And, and not only you know each other's weaknesses, but you're okay with that. And you're not going to laugh at each other or you're not going to talk behind people's back. But rather, we, we actually embrace one another in love in order to build the body of Christ. The uh, second point is embrace your weaknesses. So not only identify your weaknesses, And share that with your community. But embrace it. I think this might sound strange to many of you, thinking, well, why would I want to embrace my weaknesses? Culturally, we think we're supposed to reject our weaknesses. We've been taught from a young age to save face, maintain a good public image. But embracing our weaknesses means that, hey, we now accept the way Christ's power works in my life. And, And once we realize that and once we embrace that, we start to have this new sense of freedom and relief. We're able to drop the pretense and and live in the freedom, knowing that, hey, I'm okay with all the weaknesses because it is Christ who lives in me and it is Christ who is still working in me. And when we do that, it actually stirs within us an ability and courage to do the things we otherwise wouldn't think of doing. Once we embrace our weaknesses, we're more willing to, to, to give it a shot at serving, at leading the church, a giving, uh, giving it a shot at things that we're not so good at. We're now willing to, 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 to go for it because now after embracing our weaknesses, we say, Hey, it's Christ who lives in me. And now all things are possible because it is the power of Christ in my life. Embracing our weaknesses moves us from self sufficiency to a God dependency. Now, third and final point. So, it was identify our weaknesses, embrace our weaknesses, and last point, boast in our weakness. Boast in your weaknesses. The Apostle Paul says, "If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness." Can you imagine a, a church leader, a pastor, or an elder? who's gifted and he's like, normally he's like, yeah, I'm very good at writing books or or preaching a sermon or leading a church. Imagine a leader walking around and saying, hey, I'm really good at being lazy. (laughs) Or like, hey, I'm really good at speaking rudely to my wife. But I've improved because it is the power of Christ working in me now. Imagine that. Weakness is not something that we should lament about or weep about. Weakness is something that we should boast about. And the word boast is a glory. So Paul said that he considers his weaknesses to be his glory. And this is because his weaknesses allow Christ the opportunity to manifest his power and for that power to dwell within him. Now, if Paul boasted in his own strength, thinking that by himself he was equal to any task or able to face any calamity or be like any other apostle, then he would basically cancel God in his life. The question for us is, is our thinking about our own weaknesses in sync, in line with the apostle Paul? Do we view our fertilities and channels uh, Fertilities and weakness as channels through which God's power can flow within us. You know, perhaps many of you, your weakness is, is some sort of physical affliction that has reduced you to, to depend on God. Perhaps your weakness is failure to be promoted at work. Perhaps your weakness is, is the daily heartache of a rebellious child who has chosen to no longer walk with God. Whatever that weakness is, It does not mean we just passively just sit there and wallow in these obstacles and cry over these weaknesses. It simply means we, hey, from from now on, we renounce any self-reliance and we wholly depend on the power of Christ to accomplish in and through us whatever will bring him glory. And that's the reason for our boasting. So I want to finish off this morning. As you come back to church, as you rebuild the English ministry, come back stronger. And you can only do that if you identify your weaknesses, if you embrace your weaknesses, and if you boast in your weaknesses. Because only when you do that, the power of Christ will work more in and through you. So let us be opposite of the culture that we're in and embrace the weaknesses so that people, family members uh, look at us and be like, what's going on with them? They're not relying on their own wits or their own abilities or their own strengths or their own experiences. But these are people who rely on the power of God, a powerful God who works in them and through them. Let's pray. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We are able to worship you. We are able to be encouraged by the apostle Paul to not wallow in our weaknesses, but to identify them and to embrace them and to boast in our weaknesses because, Lord, it is through these hardships and sufferings and all that we have experienced during the pandemic that help us to rely on you, to help us to see your strength perfected in our weakness. So, Lord, help this church going forward to be able to walk in humility and Receive your grace and mercy each and every day and constantly look to you for help. I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.